Um, so today we're reading from the book of Acts, chapter 20, verses 22 to 27. So feel free to grab your Bibles if you have them near you. Um, or if you're like me sometimes on a Sunday morning, uh, you might be sat comfortably in bed and the Bible's a bit out of reach. So if that is you, it, it has appeared on the screen for us today. Um, so I'm just going to read these few verses for us uh, before handing over to Pete, who will uh, speak to us this morning. So Acts chapter 20, starting at verse 22. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now, I know that none of you, none of you among whom I have gone out preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Now, over to Pete, who's going to uh, speak to us this morning. Hi, everyone. Uh, it's such a, a privilege uh, to speak today. It's going to be Chris and I's last service here. We actually move on the 26th uh, of Feb, um, but uh, we thought this, this would better be the, one, the last time that we actually join with you whilst we're in Bristol. Um, uh, thank you, Matt, for, for that reading. Um, there was, there's a verse at the end of that, that I want to refer to later, um, but it seems really um, profound and quite a deep thing to listen to that uh, when we're about to leave. And I can't say that I share all the sentiments that are shared there. Um, I don't know that we're going to suffer persecution, um, and I hope that we will see you all again. Um, but there is a sense that we feel um, compelled, if you will, to move, um, not knowing what will happen in Worcester. Um, we have many unknowns. And we feel, to be honest, we've, we've kind of, well, we've given our all here and uh, we've loved it and we've so appreciated the whole body at Cairns. Um, so thank you for walking with us. It's been absolutely wonderful. So no regrets there at all. Um, when I spoke in January, I felt I, I really discharged something on my heart. I, I, I just did, I just felt that afterwards. And I spoke from 2 Peter 3, and the last verses in particular where it says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, all glory to him, both now and forever. Uh, I'm not going to repeat it or go over it again. Um, if you want to listen to it, it's on the web. But I do want to build on it because it's still in my mind a lot. And in sharing today, I, I want to encourage us all but also perhaps show what our heart is and what we'd like you to be praying for us, because that is exactly what we want to do. We want to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And walking into an unknown where we don't know what church we're going to or anything, that's a big prayer of ours. So here's a simple question. What resources do we have to help us grow? Because Peter says in the same letter, by his divine power, God has given to us everything we need for living a godly life. We've received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself. Um, all living things need to grow. Um, so whether that's tomato plants, grass, fish, animals, and for us, if we're living, 
we need to grow and to grow we need food <laughs> so i want us to think about what's our spiritual diet today so what do you or should you be feeding on that will help you grow in your walk with god and i want to make four suggestions i haven't invented them all as you can imagine <clears throat> i've got them from elsewhere um but I want to start with the last verse that Matt read, and it's verse 27. And I'm reading it from a different version this time, where it says, For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. That word counsel, it says will in the NIV, but it's counsel. Ask Anna um, or a lawyer what that means. <laughs> you get counsel's advice. The whole counsel of God. I was talking to Steve Harry Young on a walk. Um, a little while back. Um, he's now a minister, if you know him, Stephen Tracy, they're now in Scotland. And he said to me, there's an aversion to the whole counsel of God in the churches. And I thought that's really interesting because whole means it leaves nothing out. <clears throat> Steve then asked, <clears throat> excuse me, Steve then asked me a very difficult question. He said, are you afraid of speaking something? And my answer is yes, I can be, because I like to please people. I like to be accepted. But sometimes that's inappropriate. Because when it comes to things of eternity, we must always, always, always be true to God's word and speak the whole counsel of God. And I think I said in January, I'm amazed at the number of warnings in scripture and how little we refer to warnings when we're us preachers or others sharing. There are so many warnings throughout scripture, the whole Bible, but particularly in the New Testament, the number of times Jesus warns and the apostles warn in their letters. And we need to heed them today. Uh, Eugene Peterson says this, and I'm quoting from his book, Eat This Book. Sooner or later, we will find that not everything is to our liking in this book, the Bible. It starts out sweet to our taste, but then we find it doesn't sit well with us at all. It becomes bitter in our stomachs. And he's quoting from Revelation 10. Finding ourselves in this book is most pleasant, flattering even. And then we find that this book isn't written to flatter us, but to involve us in a reality, God's reality that doesn't cater for our fantasies of ourselves. So think diet. When a baby is born, it cries out for milk. It drinks, it's satisfied. But for the child to grow, it has to move on from milk to solid food. And I'm struck the number of times in the New Testament that the apostles, the writer of the Hebrews, Peter, Paul, they, they say, come on, you've got to grow. You need to feed on stronger stuff than just milk. In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says, you're, you're like babies. I can't even talk to you about spiritual things. And in Hebrews, the writer says this. You've become spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You've been believers so long now, you ought to be teaching others. But instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and can't eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what's right. But solid food is for those who are mature and who through training and skill have to recognize the difference between right and wrong. We need, and I want to encourage you to seek out and listen to 
the whole counsel of God. Paul's also very bold when, uh, as, as you know, or you may know from the Acts 20, the occasion of that, uh, that bit of scripture is that um, Paul had spent three, nearly three years in Ephesus teaching the church there and being with them, just living with them. And then he'd gone on a journey and this, he was now traveling back on his way to Jerusalem, but he wanted to see the elders in Ephesus to speak to them for the last time because he knew he wouldn't see them again. And this is in, from his letter to that Ephesian church, which he wrote later, that there are ministries in the church to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord. I've just lost my place. <laughs> uh, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try and trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He is the head. And Ian reminded me when I saw him this week for a, for a walk, how that when Paul is writing to Timothy, he says, I charge you in the presence of God and in Christ Jesus, who's the judge of the living and the dead. Preach the word. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. So I want to say this, and I'm being a bit bold here. I want to say this to you, Marky, and I want to say this to you, elders, and others who minister in the church, the shepherds of the flock at Cairns. Do not hold back from declaring the whole counsel of God. We need it. The world needs it. Let's not sugarcoat it. Let's not just concentrate on the sweet stuff that we like the flavour of. It's the whole counsel of God, Old Testament, New Testament. And for all of us, eat this book, <laughs> the scriptures, eat it. No one can force you to. You have to do that yourself. Food can be brought to you, but eat it. So that's my first resource, scripture, complete. I'm going to be quicker than the others. You'll be glad to hear. So my second resource is this, and it's a proverb. I'm going to use a proverb. If you want to build a ship, don't drum up people to gather wood, divide the work and give orders. Instead, teach them to yearn for the vast and endless sea. It's attributed to Antoine Saint de Saint-Exupéry, but they're not sure. I want to call that prayer, not prayers, I mean prayer being in presence of God. We have to have an awareness of God and his ways that is bigger than we can comprehend or understand, a vast and endless sea. I find to help me reading Psalms is brilliant because they struggle with the hugeness of God and worship the hugeness of God, even when they're going through tough things. So prayer, I see as being in God's presence, watching, listening, waiting, meditating, 
connecting, talking, being real. When people really pray, you can hear their heart. Do you agree? And as I've said at Cairns before, prayer is the boiler room of the church. So that's the second resource, prayer. The third resource I want to suggest is something that used to be more popular, um, certainly in my university days and a bit beyond that. And that's the witness and the testimony of God's people currently and through history. Mark, you reminded me of that only this week, but this is a great resource. So I want to ask a question. When's the last time that you read about Corrie ten Boom, Hudson Taylor, Amy Carmichael, C.T. Studd? And how about George Muller? All his, his books are available free on the internet. I've just finished reading a book called The Killing Fields to Fields of Life by Trevor Stevenson. He's alive today. He set up a charity, uh, which a friend of mine is now uh, working for. And when you read these things, you hear of God's guidance, the miraculous, the trials, the honesty, the faithfulness of God. And it's a resource to spur us on. And the Bible, of course, is full of stories of God's faithfulness, of God's dealing with men and men's, and men's dealing with God. Sometimes they fail. Sometimes they succeed. God always succeeds. Read Hebrews 11, the testimony of God's witnesses. And linked to that, of course, is the testimony when we just gather together. Just being together, seeing each other, hearing each other, observing each other's walk with God. It's so precious, which is why the writer of the Hebrews again says, do not neglect meeting together as some people do, but encourage each other, especially when you see the day of his return drawing near. So that's my third encouragement and resource, witnessed and testimony of God's people. And the fourth, the final one. It was in June last year that Tim Walsh, that's Marky's mentor, spoke at Cairns. He spoke from Isaiah 42. And what I heard from him, because he gave a bit of testimony as well, was, openness, obedience, and surrender. And in my journal, I wrote, be open to change, hold it lightly, listen, wait, only obey, whatever it is. That was the start of our journey <laughs> and our move to Worcester. But I didn't know it at all at the time. I just knew that if I'm gonna take God seriously, I have to listen for his word. And when I hear it, I have to do something about it. I find it sobering. I was listening, listening to a sermon on the, the, the parable of the sheep and goats in Matthew 25. And the sheep and goats, neither of them, if I can call them them, knew what they were doing, whether it was right or wrong. They just did it. But the point is, the goats didn't do anything. And they were the ones who were condemned. And Jesus warns us of the 10 virgins, 10 bridesmaids. Five of them did nothing to get prepared. They didn't get in. Or the parable of the talents. There was one who had one talent, so he didn't do anything. He buried it. It was taken from him. Or in the Sermon on the Mount, it says, build your house on the rock and it will survive. But if you don't hear the word of God, or if you hear the word of God, but don't obey it, it won't survive. 
<laughs> we have to act on what God says. Uh, Chris reminded me recently, God cannot direct a ship that isn't moving. And nor does God people call people to make them comfortable, but courageous to do what we cannot do without him. It was in this phase that I remember Marky speaking on the parables. And there are three things, that st- four points he made which stand out to me. The one, we need a right understanding of the lost. And that's when Ruth shared about C.T. Studd, and that was so moving. And his next question was, is there anything holding you back from being all in for God? And then the next parable, Marky said, are you dealing with forgiveness and resentment? And finally, he asked, and who are you neighbour to? Great questions. Thank you, Marky. So my fourth resource is obedience, or frankly, do something. (laughs) So to conclude, it's word, scripture, prayer, the witness of God's people, and obedience. But I want to just finish by saying, if this all sounds like God would be good to you, uh, don't despair. Because often things are mysterious to us. And I remember reading of Wesley when he says that his heart was strangely warmed when he first responded to the gospel. And I know that for Chris and I, when God first got our attention back in university days, we couldn't explain what it was that drew us. There was a hunger. And there was something that we were feeding on that gave us more hunger. And we wanted to eat and drink. And it wasn't comfortable meeting in a lounge on hard folding chairs, crammed in, listening to people talk and preach stuff that frankly was way over my head. But we couldn't resist it. We needed it. And I want to encourage you. Get an appetite. (laughs) I don't know how to say it. But if you feel something moving in your heart, respond to it. Stir up your appetite for God. And in saying this, our prayer for ourselves and what we want you to pray for us is that we'd never lose our passion for God so that we do finish our course well. Because we're human and we'd much rather have a simple diet of donuts, but it won't be healthy for us. So we want to know what God has for us and what we might be moving into. Our hearts are strangely warmed in answer to God's call to go on this new adventure. But we are stepping into an unknown and unfamiliar. We know we're gonna be near family, but that wasn't the first thing in our minds at all. We want to see them blessed and we trust that's part of what God wants. But how do we keep feeding? How do we feed others? How do we share passion for Christ and the good news with new communities in different churches, in different ways? We don't know yet. So please pray that we don't go cold. And that's our prayer for you all, who we love fondly. Thank you. Thank you, Pete, for uh, sharing your heart. I'd like to pray for us, and then um, I'll invite Pete and Chris to come 
um, online and then we will have a few questions and some conversation and then we'll be able to pray for them. So Father God, thank you for this reminder from your word. Thank you for this challenge from your word. Thank you, Jesus, that um, you have given us your word. You've given us prayer. You've given us each other. And we pray, Lord, that in our pursuit of discipleship, of being your apprentices, that we will continue, Lord, to grow in our appetite for you. Grow to, to love you by knowing you through the scriptures, growing in that, Lord. Teach us to pray, Lord. Thank you for gathering us as a church last week to pray together. And I pray, Lord, that we will have opportunities like that, that we grow in our confidence to pray to you. And thank you for one another, Lord. We thank you for Pete and Chris's life and ministry at Cairns. And we pray, Lord, that again, you will continue to grow them in your grace and in the knowledge of Lord Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we want to say today, we want to have that appetite for you, Lord. Help us with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.